The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, Andre Salveson. Welcome to H-E-L-L Double Hockey Sticks. Well, that's a lot of... Dude. I'm not sure what that what that spells. Oh. But, uh, yeah, welcome to the Full Court Press on Dude. a Tuesday. I, I learned it off the office, and so I... Uh, huh. Okay. Uh, hey, our week of Aggie Legend interviews continues. Yes, it does. Uh, Which is calling it Aggie Legend interviews is better than what you were proposing last no, week. No, no, that was you. You wanted to call it <laughs> interviews with former, excuse me, radio yeah, you can't interviews even remember what you called with it. above average former no. Utah State men's basketball players. You, you said uh, interviews with Aggies who never won the NCAA tournament. Or a game in the NCAA tournament. That's what you called it. No, I didn't call yeah, it. Yeah, you said Aggies who never won a game in the NCAA tournament. No. Well, here you are, Mr. Happy Pants. All right. You finally got what you wished for. So I had a nice conversation with Troy Roll last night. Yeah, that, dude, was, that was great stuff, actually. I had a chance to listen to that. Uh, by the way, you can uh, listen to our, our great, all our great content on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, Eric, a very abrupt show today, uh, as we found out. About an hour ago. Um, kind of caught us by surprise. Yeah, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, Eric is going to call Tyler Newbold here in about a minute. We're going to have Tyler Newbold join us here at 4.05. And then Roddy Anderson is going to be at 5 o'clock. Now, Ohio State and Michigan State basketball, which I know you've all been looking forward to immensely and cannot wait for, is going to be airing at 4.45 on the station. It is going to preempt our show. I think that's what it means. So it's going to cut into our show. Which means we will not have Roddy Anderson live on this station. Instead, we'll post it. I'll tweet out a link. I'll make sure everybody can find it, and then we'll go from there. And we may still try to get some pieces of that interview played over the next couple of days. Yes, we still want to get that. Give Bingo that was Er Nemo. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, we all will be squeezing in game time with Gabby. Uh, I know you're all looking forward to that one. It's one of the most favorite popular segments of the week. In fact, Eric, if I'm bold enough to say, it is now overtaken pick six, starting Adam the intern. That's good news. Yeah, it is great news. I'm not surprised. Okay. Will will some of the questions have anything to do with her date this past weekend? By the way, a lot of success. Okay. She had a call in Audible a couple of times. Okay, but again, like Patrick Mahomes came through like the MVP. All right, third and 15, no big deal. Okay, we're going to go deep. Bam, connection, firehouse, here we come. It was just, it was just great work by, by Gabby on, on, on making adjustments when necessary to get the great execution to be successful. And that's what it's all about, you know, in these kind of games. You want to make sure you execute and on the fly. Now, what we don't know is, uh, obviously, you know, the dance, favorite song to dance to, you know, what uh, what was the highlight 
of that dance, specifically the dance, because I mean the day day is like whoopity doo da. All right, lunch is or dinner, whatever it is, is whoopity doo da. But the dance, okay, that is the main event. In fact, what was your? We'll ask you later. Game time with Gabby. Gabby intern. We're gonna get all the full deets on date night. I'm excited. She's giving me the glare, but that she's been giving me the glare since she got here this afternoon. So she'll be all right. Uh, game time with Gabby at four uh, twenty-five. Give or take. Ah, he's not answering, is he? I'll 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 hit him up. Uh, but yeah, Tyler Newbold here coming up uh, shortly. Roddy Anderson at five o'clock, and then tomorrow we've got uh, we've got some good stuff. Tomorrow we've got. Uh, uh, a couple more interviews. We got two interviews on Wednesday, two interviews on Thursday, two on Friday. Now, actually, more interviews with former Aggie basketball players, legends, legends. Yes, legends, legends who actually played a historic role in the Aggies' success. Uh, legends who were uh, vital to a conference championship. Uh, legends who were vital to a appearance in an NCAA tournament. Uh, and uh, this team, the 2009-2010 team, made it to the NCAA tournament. They faced Texas A&M, and if I remember right, free throws got the better of them. Uh, if I remember right, they struggled the free throw line, uh, and that's what cost them a 69-53 loss to Texas A&M. And, you know, when I – you'll hear from Coach Morrill on Friday, by the way, which I'm so excited about. Uh, but I can only imagine how frustrating it is to get to the NCAA tournament, have a good season, but get just absolutely screwed by the NCAA selection committee on seeding. I can't tell you how many times I was like, yeah, they're going to be an 11 seed, a 10 seed, a 9 seed. Nope, we're a 13 seed. You're a 14 seed. You're a, you're a 12th seed. Even though you're one of the easily the best teams on the western side of the states. The selection committee was horrible and screwed the Utah State Aggies over time and time again. If oh. they do them right, they probably win a couple games. Many times over. Many times over. All right, so our our uh, series, I'm going to call it a series. No, because you called it all Aggies who didn't win an NCAA tournament game, which I thought no, was pretty I hard. Did, I never, so I said, I never call it called Aggie it Legends. that. I never called it that. <laughs> our series of interviews with former Aggie Legends. I like that better than the other title that you were proposing. I did not give that title. <laughs> and one of those is Tyler Newbold. Uh, he was a part of a great stretch of, of games and seasons of success for Utah State. He joins us now here on the Full Court Press. Tyler, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You're, you're getting me out of work for a minute, so I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we can do to help the uh, people have to do less work. That's what we are all about. Yes, yes. It's, it's, <laughs> I'd l- I'd rather talk about basketball than than do work, right? So. Oh, gl- glad we cleared that up. Hey, uh, this yeah. uh, this 2009-2010 team that's going to be honored on Saturday night against uh, the Aggies face Boise State at the Spectrum. Uh, this team, it-, it was something about Coach Morrill and having winning streaks in conference games, and this one had to reach a streak of 15, 15, including. If I remember right, was this the game? Yeah, it was. Uh, 79-72 at Nevada in overtime. What was the toughest environment you played at during your conference time? Oh, man. Yeah, that's a good... I, I, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably have to say uh, Nevada. 
um, just for the fact that at that time we we both had some really good solid teams and they obviously got some really good fan support too. So, so as far as environment goes, that was uh, that was a tough a tough battle. Um, we all, I, I feel like we had like a mutual respect with Nevada, uh, whereas like some of the other groups that were a little tough to play at with like New Mexico State, they had their fans were brutal and we uh, didn't have much respect for those guys. But um, so there was just kind of a different feel at Nevada where it was. There was definitely a mutual respect. Both teams respected each other, but we had some great battles. And it definitely, to your point, at, at their place, it was definitely a tough environment. And yeah, that game you, uh, that game you referred to, um, yeah, I remember that vividly. It was a, a, a tough game, and we got it, the W at the end. But I remember a shot. I, I had a shot to win the game at the buzzer, and I kind of barely missed it. So that was frustrating. That would have been awesome to have a game winner, but. Uh, <laughs> We got it done. I hit I hit a three in overtime. I remember that. So I kind of I redeemed myself there, and then uh, we ended up getting that win, which was which was really fun. So, and Tyler, I want to ask you your your teammates um, that your junior year they voted you as the, the the player that best represents Utah State basketball, and that wasn't the first time they did that. What what did that mean to you, and what do you think that represented? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you know those. Every time I, uh, every time they voted me for something like that, like that me meant more to me than pretty much anything. Just to know that the teammates that I that I love, that I go to battle with, that I work you know every day with, that we go through the grind of a season with, to know that those guys like respected me like that and, and um, looked to me in that way, like that's just something that it was, was great. Like I, I, I loved being a part of the team. I loved being a good teammate. I loved kind of the camaraderie that we had, which every college team doesn't have. Um, and, you know, just being able to be put in that position, it kind of represents the school that way um, is something that I love and I continue to love. And, and um, yeah, I, I, as far as that goes, I, I always cherish that just, knowing that, hey, these are the guys that are internal, that are here every day with us, and to have their respect that way was was really a great honor. Tyler, these day and age, it seems like a lot of kids from Utah County go to Salt Lake City, go play at the University of Utah, go to BYU University, even go to UVU. You chose to come yeah. to Utah State. What was the recruiting process like to get you to come here? Yeah, so it was um, it was interesting, like, the University of uh, Utah was actually the first school to offer me, and this is going to make me feel really old, and it, <laughs> I guess I am older now, but Rick Majerus was actually oh. the very first person to offer me. Mm. Um, and then shortly after, and Utah State had uh, been on me at the time, too, and they'd been working and talking with me. Um, shortly after Rick Majerus offered me, um, Shortly after that was his kind of like leave of absence from health and he had his issues where he kind of stepped away for a minute. Um, and then eventually like he left and uh, I think it was Ray Giacoletti, if I remember right, came in. Yeah. Said that he still wanted to, still wanted to honor the scholarship or, and whatnot, but it felt awkward and it felt weird um, just for the fact that I didn't hear from him very much after that. And I definitely wanted to go somewhere where I felt like really wanted and, I felt comfortable with the staff and I just didn't have that feeling with the, 
with the University of Utah. I loved Utah State from the beginning, just from going. I mean, I've been to games up there as a kid. Both my parents did go to Utah State, so I was aware of that, uh, how awesome the spectrum was, and just understanding, like, understanding and knowing that um, the environment that I'd be able to play in up there was a huge, uh, huge confidence thing to me. As far as BYU goes, it was always funny just because I'd never really actually heard from them until the very, very end, like a, a week or two before I actually committed to Utah State. So by that point, I was kind of beyond even thinking about them. I, they did talk to me a week or two before I committed to going to Utah State and was like, hey, would you be interested? And I was like, well, at this point, thanks, but no. <laughs> um, just because I, I wanted to go somewhere that, you know, to be loyal to the people that had recruited me from the beginning. And there's a lot of factors, right? Like I was going on a mission. So um, the likelihood of the coach being there when I got back, I knew I was pretty, pretty safe and sound with Coach Morrill that way. <laughs> um, and, you know, a variety of other things. But I, I just loved, uh, I just woke up one day. I remember, I still remember the day. I just woke up one day in the morning and I was thinking about it and I had, you know, four or five of my top schools that I was kind of thinking about. And I just woke up one day and I just felt, felt great about Utah state. And I just told my parents, I was like, I just feel like this is the right place for me. And they weren't pushing me in, in any direction, but they were obviously super excited. And I committed that day and uh, yeah, the rest is history. You played alongside some pretty special teammates. Uh, those were that was a special era of Utah State basketball. Yeah. Where you guys yeah. did some pretty amazing things. Uh, do you keep in touch with those guys much still today? Yeah, yeah, I do. I I keep in touch with several of them. Um, some of them more than others, obviously. Like I, I mean, I keep in touch with with uh, Ty Wesley and Nate Bendel and a lot of the guys that are still around in Utah, I'll keep in touch from touch with from time to time, Brady, Jardine, and Brian Green, obviously. And, and uh, Preston Medlin, like those guys that are still kind of around here. And then every now and then from time to time, I'll connect with guys that are out of state. But, um, but yeah, we definitely had uh, a camaraderie that not every college team has. It was one of those things where, the uh, connections we had with each other and the, the camaraderie that we had with each other um, was a huge factor in, in our success. Just we really, I mean, it's kind of cliche, but we truly didn't care who scored. We understood who we needed to get to the ball to to be successful, but we didn't care who scored, who got the, you know, the, the bucket to win the game or who made the free. You know, we didn't care about that at all. We just wanted to win. That's all we wanted to do. And uh, we didn't have the most talent in the world, but we definitely had enough talent. And then that combined with our uh, how we played together so well, I think pushed us over the top and helped us win a lot of games against teams that, when you look on paper, may have had more talent than us, um, uh, kind of looking at it on paper. But it's kind of funny you bring that up because some <laughs> Coach Morrill always used to tell us that Hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna win warm ups in this game because we'll see the other team out there dunking and <laughs> jumping out of the gym and doing this and that. But he's like, we're not gonna win warm ups, but we're gonna win. We're gonna smash them in the game. We're gonna out execute them. We're gonna out tough them. We'll win the game. And it was always something that I, whenever he said that, I always laughed. And it's something that always stuck with me because it was really true. There was times where, you know, we're playing these teams that have freak athletes and NBA athletes, and and but we're still 
winning the game. And then sometimes in those cases, we're winning them handily because we're playing together. We have enough talent and we were a team when they really weren't. So anyway, uh, I'm kind of rambling, but those are, I guess those are my thoughts along those lines. Well, I remember Stu Morrill. Well, here again, just a reset. We're talking to Tyler Newbold, former Aggie player, a basketball player, and uh, played in the late 2000s, early... 2009, 2010. There you go, 2000. Well, freshman year, 2007, 2008, graduating in 2011. But I remember Stu Morrill, in thinking about your team and and your group, the the teams that you were a part of, always praising that this was a a group of really high-character guys. He was always really high on, on your character of that group, and uh, that he could rely on you guys. He wasn't always having to deal with other issues that some other coaches had to deal with or that he had to deal with with teams in, in years past. Uh, I always found that interesting, how we always made a point to, 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 uh, to stress that, that this was a really special group of, of players and really was impressed with your character. Yeah, yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, and I, I totally agree with him. I, I think as I look back, like on our, on those years, there were, uh, it was a player led team. Like obviously the coaches were there and had our respect and they put in all the sets and all the stuff that we need to do to be successful. But uh, during the game, when something needed to be said or someone needed a, a lift or somebody maybe wasn't playing hard enough or boxing out hard enough or whatever, like, it wasn't, I mean, it, it was, it was internal. Like we had the guys on the team that were able to, to uh, say those things that needed to be said. And so it, it really, one of those things I think we really took ownership to is like, Hey, this is our team. These are our, our years. We're not going to be here forever. Like the, the coach Stu was there for a long time and he had a lot of different teams, but this is our year. This is our team. And so we have to take ownership of it. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of us really took to heart was, you know, this is our time. We're not going to have unlimited time here. And, and uh, we were able to lead out in a really good way that way and have a lot of guys on that same page, which made it, which made it to be successful as far as the leadership and, and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Looking back at 2009-10 squad, who is the best trash talker on the team? <laughs> um... I mean, was Brian Green any? Was he a bit yeah. of a trash talker at all, or is he pretty quiet? No, Brian. <laughs> Brian Green definitely was a trash talker. He was definitely a guy that <laughs> would uh, let let people know what he thought. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like I, I uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like you, you probably have to say Brian and and Ty Wesley. Um, Ty, I mean, you think about Ty, he was one of those guys where you, you absolutely hate him if you're playing against him because he's just annoying and, and, and is so good in the post and knows how to use his body and is physical. And, and he, I mean, he definitely knew how to, to, to trash talk with the best of them. I remember some of the games with uh, New Mexico State. Uh, him and I don't know if you remember uh, Wendell McKinnis. Oh yeah, oh, yes. it. they would go at it just constantly back and <laughs> forth. It was now that I think about it, it's just pretty hilarious some of the things they would say to each other, and it was it was pr- pretty brutal at times. But Ty would absolutely <laughs> trash talk with the best of them, and 
And when Brian got hot, when he uh, when he was lighting it up off the bench and hitting five, six threes in a game, like he was, he would definitely let the other team know about it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the most mem? I guess uh, you talked about the Nevada game. Um, you know, I'll just jump ahead to this one. The the NCAA tournament game against Texas A and M. Uh, you guys get into the tournament. I, I felt like you guys were hosed on the seed. You faced Texas A&M, and it just seemed like the ball just would never, ever find the net for you guys, no matter how good of looks you got. You shot 38% for the night from the field, and, and they couldn't miss at one point. What do you most remember about the game? How frustrating was it to lose to that team? Because I felt like you guys were the better squad. Yeah, that was that was really frustrating, just for the fact that like out of the three – out of the three tournament games that I got to play in, that was the one where it was like, hey, we had we didn't even come close to playing our best. Um, the other two that we played in were, were much closer, and especially the one the year before against Marquette, we felt like we should have won. Uh, just lost it. At the oh, end that's right. You had fine. the Marquette game, didn't you, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah. Boise, yeah. yeah. Oh. But as far as the, the Texas A&M game was interesting because they uh, – I think our coach was Mark Turgeon at the yeah. time. Oh, right. And uh, he, I don't know how, but out of every team we've ever played, they had us scouted better than any team I've ever played. As, as a lot of people know, like with Coach Sue, we would run a thousand different set plays and variations of those set plays and all that sort of thing. And I don't know how, but they knew exactly where we were going to be every single play. I don't, and they were scouted us so well. I don't know how they did it, but that was part of the reason I think we shot so bad is we couldn't, we didn't get very many open looks against them, and they had scouted us really well. The other thing I remember from that game is uh, Chris Middleton, who was a little young freshman at the time, who's now an NBA like all star. Is he an all star? I don't know. I think he is, but yes, he is this year, or he has been. Yeah, right. <laughs> at the time, and and it's kind of hilarious looking back at it now because. At the when we going into that game, he was listed on the scouting report, but hadn't done a lot during the year, and we didn't we didn't really talk about him much. And then I remember starting, we played this like matchup zone in, against them, and he hit like three or four threes. Yeah, like, he went in a row. He went five <laughs> or six from deep. He went seven to ten from yeah. the field that night. Yeah, and and I remember uh, like three or four, like specifically, were just corner threes where they got the ball moving and they kicked it to the corner. He's wide open. Well, not wide open, but a couple of them he was open. And I remember thinking at halftime, like, why did we not talk about this dude? And now it's funny looking back as far as like, well, yeah, we kind of made a mistake with that one with how well he's done in his career. But anyway, that's yeah, That game was really frustrating just because it, it got away from us quick and we couldn't get back into it. And anyway, but yeah. We're, we're bringing up bad memories. <laughs> That's my no, bad. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, again, we're talking to Tyler Newbold, the former Aggie great. And uh, Tyler, this is an opportunity this weekend for a lot of these former teams to get together. Stu Morrill uh, is uh, planned to be in attendance as well. you have any special like uh, anecdotes that uh, are radio friendly that you could share? About your... Radio friendly. <laughs> <laughs> but being uh, Having Stu Morrill as your coach? Um, oh man, there's a bunch of different, uh, there's a bunch of different stories. Um, I'm trying to think of one that would be this year. Remember, there's a bunch, some of them, you know, you, 
obviously can't repeat some of the things you'd say, but one of them on some on radio, but some of the, one of the things I remember is, um, I'm trying to remember which, which year it was. There was one year that we were going to play at Boise state. And I remember, um, before the game, he would, you know, obviously talk to us and give us a little bit of a, a pep talk or whatever. It really wasn't usually too, too much. Um, as far as that goes. But I remember when we went and played at Boise State, it was a huge game. Um, it even might have been my freshman year with JC. I can't remember which year it was, but I still remember him um, telling us, like, and he wouldn't ever tell us. This is the only time I've ever heard him say this during uh, the time I played for him. Is he told us, he's like, I don't usually tell you guys this, but I guarantee we're going to win this game. He's like, I'm, we, I, we're not going to lose. There is no way, like, I'm filtering it a little bit, but he's, he said, we're not, we, there is no way we're losing this game. We are for sure going to win this game. And then he, like, I don't even know how to explain it. He had, like, a, a Hallmark, like, card, like a, like a Hallmark card. And you know, do you know how some of them, when you open them, they, like, play music? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these are awesome. So he had one of these Hallmark cards. And, it, and when he said that, he's like, he's like, I just feel so good about the game. We're, we will not lose this game. I've, he's like, I've only done this a few times in my career, but he said, and, and told my team this before a game, but I know that we're going to win this game. And then he opens this Hallmark card, and it's that song that's like, I feel good, na 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 and I know that I should. Like that, I, I'm butchering it, right? But he opened that, and, that, and he played that, and we were all looking at him like, are you serious? Like, okay, that's awesome. And we like, and we thought it was kind of awkward, but we erupted and we're like, let's go. And we went out and we won that game. And <laughs> I don't know why I, that was the first thing I thought of when you asked that, because there's a bunch of different memories and stories, but that's one that I thought was kind of funny and interesting that he hadn't, he had never seen him do that before, before a game where he told us like, Hey, I know we're going to win this game. I have a feeling I, I just, we're not going to lose this game. And so that one was pretty cool. <laughs> hey, there's speak. Several... Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to ask you. So, like, speaking of coaches and, and humor and stuff, do you follow Keith Van Horn on Twitter? Because, I mean, you, you, you obviously knew about Rick Majerus. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you see, like, yeah, the quotes that he gives out or whatever? I'm not so sure which one you're. So, to. so well, yeah. I mean, there's just a bunch of them. Like, like, last night, Keith Van Horn put out a bunch of quotes that Rick Majerus would tell his players, just ripping on yeah. them, just ripping the shreds out of them. Was uh, yeah. what was the best insult radio friendly? I guess if you want to give Rugo what was the best insult Stu Morrill gave to a player during your time? Oh my gosh, um, you're putting me on the spot. I'm trying to think because I mean, like I, he I, he told me a story about like how he told Tony Brown he couldn't guard a chair at one point. I think it was like a sophomore <laughs> year. Did he ever get after like yeah. JC or uh, you? He said the same thing about JC Carroll. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> I do remember him making like I can't remember some of the specific things he said to JC, but I I do remember him like joking and jiving at him a little bit. Where as far as like you're lucky, at, I forget how he said it and how the words that he said it. He obviously was going to say it, said it way better than how my how I'm bringing it up here. But I remember him saying saying to him about like you're lucky that you're such a good score because that's the only way 
you're going to be playing like playing for me right now because you can't guard anybody basically. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm trying to think of others. I'd have to say I, I know there's others. I, I know I kind of put about, you on the but, spot there, but I had to ask. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, really quickly, I got to ask you this: Ty Wil- Ty versus Gary Wilkinson, who would win on a one-on-one matchup? Oh man. Um, that's a good question. So I think hmm, I think that uh initially like if you're saying like back in the day when Gary first got to Utah State, sure it was definitely Ty would would have beaten him one on one. Um the fun thing about that is Gary, as a lot of people know his story, hadn't played a lot of basketball like competitively growing up. And so the neat thing about that situation is Gary and like Ty helps Gary so much, so, so much as far as like how to use his body, how, you know, the footwork of the game of being a post player, um, a lot like Gary got so much better being a post player. And a lot of that had to do obviously with the coaching, but a lot of it was because Ty worked with him a ton and Gary wasn't shy. He asked him tons of questions as far as like, how do you do this? How do you do this? What do I do if the defense does this? And so I don't know who would, who would win now. I probably still, probably still tie right now at the moment because he's still playing overseas and Gary's done, but, but it definitely got a lot closer. Um, and it would have been a tough battle uh, one-on-one with each other, you know, toward Gary's end of his career because, he got so much better just from the, the couple of years he was there, and a lot of had a lot of that had to do with Ty and how he helped him with his game um, along that path, which was I thought I thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, that's interesting, very interesting. Yeah, uh, to yeah. see how because they were both all Americans, weren't they? Gary and Ty were. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Gary was an all American. I know Ty was. But, and yeah, I remember Gary like when he first came in, he. He had a lot. I mean, he's a great player. He could shoot the ball, and I mean, but he, he was really raw, like as far as his footwork goes, and and his moves, like just back to the basket moves in the post, and, and all that sort of thing. And Ty really, like as as a lot of people know, like Ty could use both hands, jump hook either way, could use you know uses his body well because obviously he's kind of an undersized post, and so he he worked with Gary a lot, and Gary. Um, learned a ton from him that helped him, you know, helped Gary become the player that he was um, because he improved so much during those couple of years that he was there. So, yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Ty- yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, last question for me, cause we know we've, uh, the folks at work probably want you back. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't not. Know. Uh, but I, I did want to find out just one of the things that we like to do in these uh, interviews is just find out what, what happened to these uh, former Aggie basketball players once they left Utah State? So, well, what have you what have you done since you left USU? I know it's kind of a broad question in a short amount of time, but you know, generally speaking, yeah, no. like what uh, what what have you been up to since you left Utah State? Yeah, absolutely. So, I actually um, when I got done, I tried to you know decide, okay, what am I going to do next? And it kind of took some time, and I actually did uh, I did play. Uh, overseas for a short time. I got a chance. I got a, I played on a team in Argentina for a short time, um, for a year. Well, like six months, really, of their year. 
And then I, I, like a year later, I got a chance to play on a team in um, New Zealand, in the New Zealand League. There's a team in New Zealand that plays in the Australian League called the New Zealand Breakers that Gary and Ty have both been on in their career. Oh, yeah. And the Australian League is a little bigger. Uh, the league I was in was like this really small New Zealand-only specific league where there was like seven or eight teams, and it was uh, very not a great league competitive-wise, but I, we, me and my wife decided to take that opportunity just because it was like we didn't have kids yet, and they're going to pay our way to come to New Zealand to be there for three or four months and play basketball. And <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Um, so I did that. And then after, um, after our, that, I uh, kind of made the decision to, to hang it up as far as trying to play competitively. I had, I would have regretted not at least giving it a shot. Um, and at that point, after those couple of years, I was, I, I didn't have any regrets at that point. Kind of wanted to go a different direction and start my start my real career, I guess, my real career, what I needed to do. And so since then, I've worked for a couple different um, software companies uh, on the sales side. And then uh, currently, I work at a company called uh, Weave uh, in Lehigh. It's one of the... If y'all know the, if anyone knows the Lehigh area, it's oh, all yeah. the Silicon Slopes, all the new tech companies. It's one of those big buildings that's right there. And I work, um, I work with a, a lot in this role. I work with our partners, a lot of the partners that we work with. So, uh, kind of relationship building and helping each other become successful and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So there's a lot more besides that that I could get into, but that's, I guess the Reader's Digest version of it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, we uh, we yeah. we really enjoyed watching you represent Utah State in a oh, lot of different one of ways. The best. One of the best. On the court, off the court. Uh, you're part of a great uh, set of teams there under Stu Morrill. It's going to be a lot of fun having you guys uh, up uh, in that those teams recognized this weekend when they have those uh, that uh, uh, reunion nights. So thanks for your time, yeah. and it's it's been fun catching up with you and finding out what you've been up to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on, and I I love talking about Aggie basketball and the day and back and kind of the days we had back then, and it's it's always fun. So I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and look forward to hopefully seeing you guys up there on on Saturday. So absolutely, we'll see you then. Uh, we'll see you Saturday. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Tyler Newbold, uh, one of the best, one of the great, oh, sharp high character, great player. Did a lot of different things. Yeah, that didn't always show up in stat sheets. Yeah, he was he was a very special Aggie basketball player, and that's why he's on this Aggie Legends list this week. And that was fun. That was fun to be able to kind of recommemorate those some of those memories he had. And I know the NCAA tournament ones aren't the best, but you know he played. He actually played really go. well that night. Right, you got to go. Yeah. All right, so we've got to take a step aside, and coming up next, game time with Gabby. Coming up next on the other side, see how well we do this time. We suck so bad. How many questions we can get wrong. It's coming up on the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, Tyler Newbill's one of the best, man. And uh, we'll have Roddy Anderson at 5 o'clock. We'll obviously be take a cut from here to go to Ohio State, Michigan State basketball. We'll post that immediately, though, as soon as we're done with the interview, so everyone can hear it. And we'll try to get pieces of it if we can. Yeah. In 
shows coming up. In the next we are loaded days. with interviews this <laughs> it'll week, be, though. It'll be, well, yeah, it'll be a challenge to squeeze it in, but we'll see what we can do. Squeeze away. Hey, AJ on Tuesdays. Wait a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. We do, uh, there's a few things we normally do. We're going to bypass stat and player. We'll move that off into tomorrow. Okay. But uh, we, we have to do game time with Gabby because it's a special time of the week. It is. Uh, Gabby was nice enough to say no, but we said yes because Grandma B needs Gabby booth time on the air. So, Gabby, game time with Gabby. All right. First question. During the 1943 NFL season, what two teams combined to make one team? What two teams combined to make one team? Yep. Chicago Cardinals. No. New York and New Jersey. No. What? <laughs> I don't know. What is it? 43. I give up. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and Philadelphia Eagles. Ah, the oh, Pittsburgh really? Eagles. It probably makes sense during Steagles. World War II. That's what they call it. Steagles? Steagles. Yes. <laughs> That's great. One more question. What do you got? All righty. How many minutes of total action are there in a baseball game? Uh, three. Oh, total minutes? Uh huh. No, 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 no. Uh, three hundred and forty-five. No, of total action. Not. Oh. Uh, seventy-five. No. Over under. Under. Sixty-two. No under. What's the answer? What's the answer? Eighteen. Eighteen. Dude, we suck at this. <laughs> we'll try to do better next week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Check out the podcasts on one hundred six nine thefan dot com for the interviews. Good night.